Hey, I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 99, The Affair, season one. Well, I thought The Affair was easily the best new series on television this fall season. I've reviewed every episode on my written blog. You can get there by going to paullevinson.net. But I also thought it might be a good idea, now that the first season has ended, to do this podcast in which I go over each of my reviews, which, by the way, were written, in most cases, just a few minutes, and at most maybe an hour or an hour and a half after the episode had been appearing on Showtime. I sort of like listening to these back-to-back to to see how my own thinking progressed as the series developed. So let's start with the premiere episode, which actually I saw before it was on Showtime, because I took advantage of Showtime On Demand. And the first episode, uh, and these are my thoughts at the time right after I saw it, is neatly split into two parts, two mirror stories, a he said, she said, about the beginning of an affair, or how Noah and Allison first met. This is a good piece of writing with agreement on all of the events, but differences about who initiated conversations and suggestions, such as who suggested that Noah take an outdoor shower. Was it Noah or Allison who made this suggestion? The background is also appealing. Noah is a grade school teacher and an author of, so far, just one novel. As his rich father-in-law obnoxiously tells him, most people have one book in them and that's it. Noah, of course, wants more. He's happily married with four kids, but life isn't the best it could be for him. Not only has his first book not been all that successful, good enough to get a contract and an advance for a second book, but it was no bestseller. But also, with four kids, Noah's lucky if he has a chance to make love to his wife. At least, that's how Noah sees things. He's an attractive man, in his story, who is somewhat underappreciated by his wife, but, and this is significant, wanted by other women. Allison's story is more profound, certainly more tragic. She and her husband, or partner, lost their six-year-old son. Her husband is beginning to get over the pain, but not yet Allison. He wants to sleep with her, but she's not comfortable making love, with their son still so much on her mind. She's attracted a bit in her vision to Noah, but not as much as Noah thinks she's attracted to him in his vision. Both stories are presented to a police detective at some future time, years in the future, as Noah and Allison are being separately interviewed. In this sense, the affair resembled True Detective, At this point, though, it's not clear what the interviews are about. Apparently, the death of one of their partners, like Allison's, which may be a murder. 
The acting is excellent. Dominic West is his customarily superb, and I'm impressed as always, not only with his acting, but his American accent, which I first took note of in my reviews of The Wire a bunch of years ago. Joshua Jackson is back in his first major series since Fringe, but the character he plays in The Affair, Allison's partner Cole, is so far a lot less likable than Peter on Fringe. Maura Tierney as Noah's wife is good in this part, as is Ruth Wilson as Allison in hers. The filming is Long Island seashore evocative, and the mixture of infidelity with some kind of likely murder makes the affair an attractive contender off to a strong start. Well, I entitled my review of the second episode of The Affair, Time Travel, even though there wasn't any actual time travel in that episode. But Noah was sure talking about it to Allison in a pivotal scene, and he got the multiple world solution to the grandfather paradox just right, so kudos to the writer. By the way, here's what the grandfather paradox is and the multiple world solution. If I travel back in time and either deliberately or accidentally prevent my grandparents from meeting, then I'll never have been born in the first place. So how did I travel back in time to prevent my grandparents from meeting if I didn't exist? Well, if we hypothesize that at the moment that I prevented my grandparents from meeting, that triggered a new reality or a new world, let's call that reality too, in which I never existed. But bear in mind that I come from reality one in which my grandparents did exist. So I from reality one am able to travel back in reality one and do something in the past that creates reality two in which I don't exist. So at least the paradox is resolved, though I have to admit the multiple worlds solution is in some ways even more incredible than time travel itself, with a new reality being created every time the time traveler tips his or her hat, figuratively speaking. Anyway, to get back to the affair, there was an important convergence of the Noah and Allison renditions of the story of their affair near the end of this episode, when for the first time it's clear that Allison is as attracted to Noah as he is to her. When he tells her he's been thinking about her all week and asks if she's been going through the same, she replies in a sultry, vulnerable voice, of course. Two crucial words in this ongoing story. The overarching mystery of death, meanwhile, not only who did the murder, if that's what it was, but who was murdered, continues to loom in the background. I was pretty sure after the first episode that it was Cole who was the victim, Allison's husband. We now know that he's her husband, but now I'm not so sure. Maybe it was one of Cole's brothers. Perhaps the one who was on the verge of doing something with Noah and Helen's underage daughter, but who knows? It could be Helen's father who was the victim, played as a consummate asshole by John Doman. His specialty, I mean that as a compliment, 
who clearly has a long list of enemies with Noah on the list. Or it could be coal after all. But the slowly unfolding story of Noah and Allison and their attraction to each other remains the appealing centerpiece of this series. Beautifully played and evocatively photographed, shown at the perfect time when the summer has gone from North America, and with it, the sand and the water and the sun all above it, which is shown to such good effect on the affair. I entitled my review of the third episode of The Affair, The Agent and the Sleepers. For some reason, my favorite scene in episode three was the one with Noah and his book agent who takes shots at fantasy writers and self-publishing. Now, the latter I can understand coming from an agent. After all, self-publishing would put literary agents out of business. But... As a science fiction writer, uh, I'm not too happy about his attack on fantasy, a closely related field. So, why did I enjoy this conversation? The answer is it captured the arrogance of agents in general so perfectly, and the capture of personalities, especially Noah, the struggling author, and Allison, the waitress, but much more is the great strength of this wonderfully photographed and rendered series. It's now become a little more clear exactly what we're seeing in the two accounts that make up the hour, Noah's and Allison's, and how this relates to the conversations with the police detective. First of all, the accounts or recollections of Noah and Allison cover much more than the conversations we see with the detective. I had thought at first that the full episode was a depiction of what Noah and Allison were each telling the detective, but there's no reason that Noah would have told the detective about his meeting with his agent or Allison's feelings about seeing the boy in the hospital. So I think Noah's and Allison's renditions are in effect limited God's eye views of what they are experiencing or think they are experiencing in their lives. In other words, they are their individual perspectives, but a little bit broader than just their own perspectives in terms of what we see at the edges. But what makes this, I think, especially interesting is not only when their accounts differ about what happened when the two of them are together, but how their accounts overlap in a syncopated kind of parallelism. Noah and Allison each sleep with their respective spouses and, moreover, not only initiate the sex by waking them up, but they tell their spouses not to wake up. Now, part of this seems unrealistic. It's doubtful that Noah and Allison would literally use both the same exact words. But the sentiment expressed makes perfect sense in the circumstances. On the one hand, Noah wants to sleep with Helen and Allison with Cole as a way of reaffirming their marriages. But Noah also wants to imagine that he's sleeping with Allison, and Allison wants to think she's sleeping with Noah rather than with their spouses. So telling their spouses not to wake up enhances the prospect for their illusions. 
Yet these are short-lived because Helen and Cole each do wake up symbolizing in a compelling way the vulnerability of the affair to reality and or that their affair hasn't quite happened as yet. Also of interest on this point is that Noah goes much further in his account with Allison than she goes with Noah in hers, as if to underscore the fact that, though powerfully attracted to Noah, Allison's still a little bit more ambivalent about where this is headed. So, did they actually have sex together yet or not? This puts the relative truth of their two accounts back on center stage where it always was. And that's what makes this series so good. I entitled my review of the fourth episode, Come Together, borrowing the title of that great Beatles song. And it was an unusually tender and beautiful episode, different in two important respects from the first three episodes. We see no major characters except Noah and Allison, and their stories are not parallel but sequential. Allison's commences in time right after Noah's concludes. We therefore get a true hour of continuing story rather than two hours superimposed on one another. The acting was truly superb as well. Dominic West and Ruth Wilson were nonpareil in their delivery, facial expressions, and body language. We see the lead-up and aftermath of Noah and Allison making love, which is literally the fulcrum point between the two accounts. Noah's being the lead-up and Allison's the aftermath. But in some ways, the most powerful moment happens at the very end of Allison's segment when she tells Noah about the loss of her son. We learn why she feels a revulsion for Cole. He has a tattoo on his back of the angel Gabriel, the name of their son, and it's the first thing she sees when she wakes up every morning. We also learn why she pulls away from Noah in her account the second time they're in bed. He asks her about the scars on her thigh, and of course they remind her of Gabriel since she's been cutting herself to make her, quote, feel better, unquote, as she says, in her grief about Gabriel, her lost little boy. Noah's reaction is also wonderful and about the most human and admirable we've seen of him in this story. When Allison asks if he sees death when he looks at her face, he says no and takes her in his arms. And they're soon in bed together again, and this time it's good for Allison too. Given that this is Allison's story, this moment is especially significant. She's telling us that Noah is making her happy. The affair continues to be a superb piece of television, and this episode really shone. It did this with a much shorter police segment than usual, and the segment contained the one discrepancy between Noah's and Allison's account in the hour, because the detective tells Noah he's divorced and Allison that he's happily married. Maybe he did this because he thought it would somehow elicit more information from each of them. But, you know what? It's fine by me to have a shorter police segment. There are many good cop stories on television. 
but few stories of human relationships as compelling as The Affair. I thought of episode 1.5, the next episode, as Allison's episode. It was an excellent episode indeed, and it broke ground in a variety of important ways, including the first half is Allison's and the second half is Noah's story, reversing the usual template of Noah going first. This gives us, in effect, a straight hour of Allison's since she had the last half in last week's episode, and she uses this to really good effect. Her scenes with Noah are the best we've seen of the two of them from her perspective. She's the least conflicted she's been with Noah so far, which makes sense given the end of last week's episode, and she's really enjoying the relationship. This is even confirmed by her mother, who recognizes the liberation of Allison's sexual energies. Now, her mother is a bit of a nut, but it's clear she's speaking the truth. We learn in Noah's interview with the detective that he's telling the detective everything we see on the screen. He asks the detective if he really wants to hear all the details of his home life. This presumably means that the same is true with Allison and the detective. We also get some great details from Noah about what it's like to be a teacher. This again was in Allison's episode. Noah's explanation of why he loves being a teacher rings true. It rings true to me, at least, because I'm a professor, I'm a teacher, and I feel the same way. When Noah says he loves teaching, but can't stand academic politics, you know what? That's exactly how I feel as a professor. So again, kudos to the writers for good, realistic writing. Allison responds to this by kissing Noah and shows the deepest feelings for Noah we've seen from Allison so far. The fight that Noah has with Oscar is likely significant to the police investigation. At this point, it seems that Oscar is the most likely killer, though you never know. Noah is justified in being angry at Oscar after Oscar shows up unexpectedly at Noah's place and blurts out where he saw Noah, Ditch Plains. It's a great name. It's a real name, by the way, for a Long Island place. Anyway, that's not where Helen expected Noah to be. This is the first lie that Noah has been caught in, and though he talks his way out of it, we're likely to see more in the future. And we now know who the victim is, Scott, Cole's brother. I guess there's a chance that there will be a different victim in Allison's story, but so far the two accounts have not differed on such major points. Episode 1.6, I entitled my review of that, Drugs and Vision, and it was a real change of pace to the dark side. As Noah and Allison split apart because of Allison's dealing in cocaine. Now, it's interesting, first of all, that in this criminal episode, there's no scene at all for either Allison or Noah with the detective. And that's because the outlaw part of the story takes place just fine without the detective. Briefly, in both Noah's and Allison's story, Noah is shaken by his discovery that Cole's family is dealing drugs, and Allison's a part of it. 
Noah's so shaken that in this episode he makes passionate love to Helen, his wife, and in Allison's episode he point-blank says to Allison that he wants to end it. After Allison says she wants to start a new life with him and give up the coke and coal for good. Once again, Allison has the most tender scene even in this tough episode. Her saying she wants to start a new life with Noah was indeed moving. And she was also at her sexiest best in Noah's episode when she puts her arms around him in the bathroom. The drugs put Cole's family in an entirely new light. Cole himself, who seemed just a decent, hard-working guy with a pretty warm heart, now looks a little different. He still seems decent, and maybe he's warm, but now he's a decent drug dealer. His reasons for doing this make sense, but his putting Allison at risk has to be taken into our account now of Cole. But the drugs also cast Noah in a not very favorable light because rather than being supportive to Allison when she comes to him, Noah literally rushes back to his wife's arms. But the attraction that Noah and Allison have is far too strong for their affair to end like this. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly brings them back together and how they proceed from there. But now, we have a missing piece of the puzzle. The murder, likely of Scott, likely has nothing to do with the affair and more to do with drugs. Or so it seems. Because one thing that's clear in this shimmering watercolor of a series is nothing is clear as it may first seem to be. I entitled my review of episode 1.7 of The Affair, True Confessions. It was a very different kind of episode, with barely a scene in either story of Noah and Allison together. I guess that makes sense because they broke up in the previous episode. But the episode was one of the best in the series so far, and speaking of breaking up, it broke all kinds of new ground. In a nutshell... Noah and Allison each confessed their affair to Helen and Cole for very different reasons. Noah is being blackmailed by Oscar about the affair, and Allison tells Cole the whole truth after telling him a partial truth because Cole wants to know if the guy Allison was sleeping with stole Cole's drugs. It was a great night for both Maura Tierney and Joshua Jackson, who each put in their best performances in the series so far. Jackson as Cole was especially remarkable. After seeming like he cared more about the loss of his drugs than he did about Allison, but pivoting into the deepest, most emotional we've seen him so far this season. Noah, as he often does, comes out the worst in the two accounts, including his. That is, in his account, as well as Allison's. At very least, he's insensitive to Cole about the loss of Cole's son. And Noah's closing the curtains in his Brooklyn brownstone to Allison, standing outside. <laughs> that was a low moment. Alone and vulnerable, however, Allison may now be more open to reuniting with Cole.
The series, or this season of the series, could well be heading to aftermath territory in which the affair is over and Allison and Noah repair their marriages with the greatest threat coming from the detective whose most interesting appearance in this episode is at the beginning of Noah's segment. The detective is reading Noah's book. But the two marriages are not equal. Noah and Helen have four children, which gives them more reason to stay together. But Cole seems to have gotten over what Allison did far more than Helen with Noah. And I have a feeling we've not seen the last of Allison and Noah together by any means. The series story has moved into the end of the summer or the beginning of the fall. Meanwhile, in our reality, in our world, it's taking off a week for Thanksgiving. So I'll be back here in two weeks with another late night review. And my review of episode 1.8 of The Affair, I entitled with a quote from the episode. Actually, a quote from two people back to back. You'll no doubt recognize this. I love you. I love you too. I thought that made for a good title of the series because it so well typified what was happening. And it was good to see the affair again. I missed it when it was off for a week. This episode could have been entitled Noah to the Rescue, which is the way Allison sees Noah in her attempt to deal with her self-possessed mother and her grandmother's impending death and the aftermath of that. Significantly, Cole is, as always, wrapped up in his business selling the ranch, and he gives Allison almost no support, the support she needs and wants from him in her struggle to come to terms with her grandmother's fate. Cole, of all people, should understand why this is so painful and important to Allison, putting her in touch as it does with how she felt and still feels about the loss of their son. But Cole is what he is, and even being good and loving in bed doesn't make him what Allison so keenly needs at this point in her life. But Noah is in contrast to Cole's unaware remoteness. Noah, in one of his best scenes in the series, seeks to comfort Allison by telling her the crucial truth that the loss of a parent or grandparent, wounding as it might be, is not in league with the anguish of losing a child. Noah never lost a child, as far as we know, but he's just a more sensitive person than Cole and because of that, he is what Allison most needs at this moment. Since all of this occurs in Allison's story, what we're seeing here is her good opinion of Noah and how he came through for her. Now, they haven't yet slept together again, but this will be the foundation of why they soon will, I'm sure. Even though Noah was the one who ended that affair of the summer, and Allison thus has every reason not to want to ever see him again, let alone see him in bed. But the crucial exchange here, and again, that's why I chose this as the title of this review, is where Noah softly says to Allison, I love you. And she replies, I love you too. Meanwhile, we get a long view of Helen tonight. That is how Noah sees Helen in the aftermath of his confession. She doesn't accept his gift, and in the shrink's office, 
The psychologist is played by Blair Brown of recent fringe fame. She was there along with Joshua Jackson in some of the best episodes of that late and lamented series. But we learn in her psychologist's office in the affair that Helen married Noah because she thought he was, quote, safe, unquote. Certainly something which he and no one would be happy to hear. The conversation between Noah and his father-in-law, Bruce, is also important because, just as in A Christmas Carol, it gives Noah a glimpse of his future and precisely what he might well feel if he lets Allison vanish now from his life. The police detective is in menacing presence at the ends of both half hours. As I previously said, I find this part of the story usually the least compelling. The great strength of the affair is its profound human drama. And there was more of that in episode 1.9, which I entitled, Who Else on the Train? I thought that episode was as near-perfect a story with two different perspectives as you can get, sometimes mirroring, sometimes opposing, and in this episode, converging literally at the end as Noah arrives at the station just in time to see Allison and Cole the second we left them at the end of her half hour, which in this episode, as once before, was the first half hour of the episode. Now, the last time Allison's episode started first in episode 1.5, I said I especially liked the flow of that episode with the one that came the week before, because what that, in effect, did is it gave Allison a complete hour, the first half hour starting the previous week and the second with the current week's episode. That was nice, and it worked well again this time, from Allison's arriving in Brooklyn, happier than we've ever seen her in bed with Noah, until she discovers Whitney's pregnancy test and thinks that it's Helen who's pregnant. Her mistake epitomizes both her and Noah's problem. With the at best partial evidence the two have of each other's lives in their pounding carnival of illicit love. How's that for a phrase? You like that? It's almost impossible for there not to be some misunderstanding between the two. But what happens next with Allison is heart-wrenching and Ruth Wilson's best acting to date in this powerful series. As we finally find out what happened to Gabriel and why Allison feels so guilty about it. And that guilt is what leads her to the train station. Noah gets to that place in a very different way for very different reasons. Probably the tipping point for Noah is seeing the guy jump off the building to his death because it signals to Noah what he's in effect doing with his own life if he doesn't leave Helen to be with Allison. Significantly, Noah leaves even though he knows that the best thing he can do for Whitney as a father is stay with his family. Yeah, Helen throws him out after he tells her about his feelings for Allison, but you know what? I think the reason that Noah tells Helen that he loves Allison is because Noah wants to leave and wants Helen to throw him out. Love like this conquers all is the message here, even a conflicting requirement of parenthood. Love conquers even that. That is, 
the love in the affair conquers his love as a father for his daughter. Which is what the saying love conquers all meant in the first place. It was romantic love conquers all. That's, I think, what the ancient saying always meant. But the question now is, back on the station at the end of this episode, is Allison going on the train, A, expecting Cole to follow, B, expecting Noah to follow, or C, expecting, hoping that no one follows so she can go off on her own? There are arguments in favor of each of these, though I'd expect B, romantic that I am, but we'll have to wait until next week to find out. Although maybe there's a choice D, Allison walks right back out of the train, but I don't think that's going to happen. One other thing, I don't think Noah killed Scott. That would be too obvious after what happened last week. I have a slight feeling that maybe Cole killed his brother, but hey, maybe it's the lying detective. Nah, I don't really think that. If I had to guess, I'd say it's neither Oscar nor Noah, maybe Cole, We'll just have to see. And I entitled my review of the affair season finale that was on just last night, The Arrest and the Rest. And it was a wild, strange, and powerful finale for the first season. Not the finale, thank goodness, of the series. Now, I'm going to pretty much put aside Noah's story in this review and analysis, even though it had some excellent moments, such as Noah having sex with three successive babes at the beginning of his episode, starting with the one he flirted with at the pool in the very first episode. That was a good touch. And there was also a great bit in the purgatory of tenure teachers brought up on charges where we find Noah, but he ingeniously uses that time to finish his second novel. But it was Allison's episode that ends with the arrest of Noah. And Allison and Noah together. And since we've yet to see Noah's side of that, it makes most sense, I think, to go with that story, the detective pulling Noah away in handcuffs, as the reality will be bouncing off of next season. I mean, I suppose Noah's view of that last scene could be Allison getting arrested, but I somehow don't think so. Allison's story is sheer dynamite in the confrontation of families out on Long Island. Cole finally comes into his own as someone who loves Allison so much he might kill her if he doesn't kill Noah first. And Allison's putting herself in front of Cole's gun is what gets Noah to stay with her or triggers that. The fact that he loves her is what deeply gets him to stay with her. And that happens after Helen and their daughter leave. What's still not revealed is who killed Scotty. Noah was trying to bribe the mechanic who fixed his damaged car. Okay, true enough, but for all we know, Noah was not the one who was driving it. So let's see, the culprit has to be someone who had motive to kill Scotty, such as Oscar, but also someone whom Noah would be motivated to protect. That would seem to leave out Scotty could be Allison, obviously. Noah would also spend money, no doubt, to protect Helen. Anybody else? Well, could Noah's oldest son somehow have been behind the wheel of that car? Not very likely, but not impossible. 
Allison saying to Noah that she'll get him out of this is also very significant. How would she do that? By implicating herself? That's not something that Noah would want her to do, especially with their baby. Now, I had said when I reviewed the drug revelation episode that I thought the killing of Scotty likely had more to do with his drug dealing than with the affair. But it occurs to me this could be some connection because if the killing of Scotty took place because of the drug business, Remember that Allison is involved in the drug business, or was involved in the drug business, so Noah might not want to tell the police everything about the car, because if he did, that would get the police to look at Allison, who maybe had nothing to do with the murder, but she certainly did have something to do with the drug dealing. And the last thing that Noah wants is to see Allison arrested, especially with their baby. So the affair concludes with the affair itself somewhat settled. Noah and Allison are together. They have a baby daughter. But the murder investigation part of the story is just about to take off with the detective finally moving from his own story, splintered between Noah and Allison, to a story, the arrest of Noah, that happens right in front of both of them. Indeed, since this happens well after the last scene in Noah's half hour, that's even more reason to think that this is more than just Allison's story. At least, I think so. But I'll tell you what I'm sure of, and that's that this is a great place indeed to begin next season, which I'm looking forward to. And I'll do a review at the end of the second season right here again on Light On, Light Through. I'll also be reviewing every episode in writing on my paullevinson.net blog that I told you about at the beginning. That's P-A-U-L-L-E-V-I-N-S-O-N dot N-E-T. So you can go there anytime to read the written reviews. Those are all written, in most cases, just a few minutes after the episode has ended on the air. And there'll also be reviews of other television shows and all kinds of interesting things right here on this podcast, Light On, Light Through, which you can come to anytime at L-I-G-H-T-O-N, L-I-G-H-T-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com. Well, enough with the spelling lessons. We're close to the end of the year. I hope you have a great holiday, a great new year, and I'll see you again soon. The Light on Light Through podcast. Athens, 2042 AD. She ripped the paper in half then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com.
Silk Code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. 